give you a quick review of what we talked about last week. If you forgot, uh, we were I was stuck in Galatians for a while, and uh, and kind of got springboarded out of it into uh, into Matthew from from a specific verse that I got kind of hung up on in there, and it's Galatians three twenty seven. It's talking about sons and heirs. It says, "For as many of for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus." And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now, what he's referring to there is back in Genesis, and I gave you three verses last week, about the promise of Abraham to his seed, singular, which is Jesus. The promise was from Abraham all the way to Christ. And uh, AJ and I were talking about this morning of all the Old Testament scriptures that point to Jesus and, and that show us this grace that was coming and this love that was coming in Jesus. And it's interesting, the more you read it and the more you see Jesus quoting these Old Testament scriptures... It, how tied in it is. And the first time I saw it was in the Jesus Storybook Bible we bought for the kids. And uh, it's just a Christ-centered storybook Bible. And I recommend it if you have kids to read to them because I saw things in there that I'd never seen that I grew up hearing little Bible stories here and there and I always used them as just good little moral lessons, which is not bad, but all of them were, were types and shadows of the, of the things that were to come. And it's amazing to see that come to life. Well, in the same way, uh, I wanted to express that Jesus wasn't a change in God's attitude. He wasn't he wanted this from the beginning. God's attitude towards us was good from the beginning. He was upset when everything went down in the garden and it didn't go as planned. And he wanted that reconciliation from the beginning of time. And he even said, because he's outside of time and space, I'm going to make this right. And, uh, and we're going to do that through Christ. So it was all the way from Genesis to then. But what I got hung up on in there was several things. We're all one in Christ. We're not Jew, Greek, Gentile. We're not black, white, Honduran, Guatemalan. We're not any different. And we've called it racial issues, which there's only one race, which is a human race. There are different ethnicities. We're all of the same race. And I'm not going to get into all that, but what I'm saying is we're all one. And the same way the Holy Spirit this morning was speaking to me, was speaking to the worship team and saying the same thing. In the same way I hear other pastors preaching, I can hear the same thing. It's the same Holy Spirit saying the same things. Um, I got caught on that is that we're one. And, and you guys know my frustration with the denominational uh, division should be denominational uh, diversion, di, not diversions. Uh, we should be diverse, yeah. <laughs> diversions, not diversions at all. But what I love about our church especially is we've got, uh, you know, we've got some people that just worship and speak in tongues and are just so passionate, and then we've got some people that are more reserved, and that's okay. We, we don't, we don't want to hold one thing over another person or, or treat anybody differently, and I love that we can get along with one another and learn and grow from each other. And, oh, if we could just do that on a larger scale, how great it would be. You talk about a, a revival and a and an awakening, a great awakening, if the churches could come together and see the strength that they have together. It would be amazing. Um, whew, that's not what I wanted to talk about, but I just I get excited about that because that's what, when you see, when you hear these stories of these great awakenings and Azusa Street and these different things, they weren't thinking about denominations. What happened is they started putting that stuff on afterwards, and then it messed it, kind of messed it, we always screw everything up. So if we could just get on the same page with the, with the core things that we're going to, and that's love the Lord and, and love people, and that's the overarching theme of our church, and you know that. All right, rabbit trail. I don't have time for rabbit trails this morning. All right, uh, you were one in Christ and then put, put on Christ like a garment. Well, <clears throat> putting on Christ like a garment, as we talked about, either we trust the Holy Spirit or we don't, right? Yeah. We're either in or we're out. We either, we either, we're doing this thing or we're not. It's, it's, it's something that I struggled with when I first got saved, and I was very passionate. There's nothing wrong with that zeal, but I wanted to get everybody saved right then. I wasn't following up. I wasn't building relationships. I was just like, you're going to hell. You need to go to heaven. Let's do this thing. Let's get this done. I, I, got, I got stuff to do. Let's, let's get this going. And so it was, this, it was this real energetic passion, but I didn't see how paramount relationship is in that. 
and how big of a, an emphasis Jesus put on it of compassion and empathy towards people. It's not just numbers and figures and people. You know what I mean? It, there's more to it. It's deeper than that. And, and Christ spent a lot of time trying to explain that to, to the, to the uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law back then. Um, and so put on Christ like a garment isn't just imitate Christ, like try to do the things that he does because you will ultimately fail. But it's letting him live through you. And we've talked about he comes into our heart, our gut, the, the core of who we are. And from that, we've been deceived over the years, or I have, that the mind is where our logic is and the heart is all the emotions and we're just wild and crazy with our emotions. When the truth is the, the core of who we are is in our heart. When we accept Christ in our heart, we're renewed in our heart and that transitions into our mind. So we renew our minds from our heart, not the other way around. So we're not running around afraid of what's going to get in because we're, we have something that produces life in us and it's going out this way, not this way. All right, so get, keep that picture as we go through this. So put on Christ like a garment. Christ is here like a garment. He's with us, okay? So we're walking through life. We're doing the things that we do. We walk through life. And, and the, the three, three stories that most of you are familiar with is the 99 sheep for the one, the, the nine coins for the one, and the smart brother and the dumb brother. <laughs> or the, the loving father, as they should call that parable. Basically, it was a story of people leaving 99 uh, sheep for one sheep, which is, doesn't seem logical. In the same way when Trinity, uh, Kylie, I thought about this this morning, Kylie ran in and said, Trinity's hurt. This was last night. We were cleaning up, and she ran around there playing tag. She fell down, and she scraped her knees. It ruined her brand-new jeans, and she was really upset about her jeans. But she, sprang, she hurt her wrist, and we thought it was broken. But Kylie ran in a panic and said, Trinity's hurt bad. She fell. And Daddy, I'm like, oh, I panicked. And I run outside, and I scoop her up like she's little. And I'm, <laughs> I'm old. I was like, oh. Scooped her up and brought her in, and we checked it out. And thankful for all the more medical people in here that could help. <laughs> um, but we got her to the doctor, got it checked out, and it was a sprain. But... It would be like me saying, well, look around and see Jordan and Kylie. Well, two out of three is not bad. She's all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Statistically, I'm doing better. I've got two. <laughs> but in the same way, he's saying we leave the 99 because we, love, we have compassion. We love these sheep. We love people. Same way the nine coins for the one, and they throw a celebration. We found that pattern. There's someone lost. We seek them. We bring them home. We throw a party. That's, a, that's real basic. This is what we do. That's what the Lord does. He seeks and he tries to find people. When he finds them, he gets excited and he brings them home and he throws a party. Same thing. And I, th- I thought about this with the smart and the dumb brother. They switch places at the end of the story. And I, don't know, I'm, I'm gonna, I think this is interesting because at the beginning of the story, the dumb brother goes and squanders all of his, his earnings. He basically wishes his father was, was dead so he could have all of his inheritance. And at the very end of the story, he, he gets smart and says, okay, I'd be better off going back. And he goes back and he smartens up, but his brother gets dumb. <laughs> Because his brother was smart, and he didn't squander everything. His brother gets dumb and says, uh, hang on, I've got the scripture right here. His, the, the older brother says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could, I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son, you can hear the contempt in his voice, this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, my son... You are always with me and everything I have in yours. You see how he messed up there? He said, I've been slaving for you. The father never really asked him to do that. He did that on his own. He's the one that, that didn't see the father as a loving father that would give him anything he wanted. He probably just never asked for a fatted calf. Apparently that was a big deal back then. He didn't want a Mercedes or whatever, whatever the big deal was that the other son got. Um, but they switched places there. I thought that was interesting. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. All right. I digress. Lost seek, bring, <laughs> lost, squirrel. Lost seek, bring home, throw a party. Now, here's what's interesting. We're taught to avoid the flesh. I, I, when I first got saved, I, I remember going through and learning about avoiding the flesh, avoiding the flesh. Well, I never really thought about that. Man, just don't do bad things, right? Avoid the flesh because the flesh leads you to do bad things. Don't do bad things. Do good things. Seems simple enough. Um, 
But what's interesting is the more I begin to read, the more I see it's not just about do the right things and don't do the wrong things. And we're taught to avoid the flesh. We don't know what they are. Uh, avoiding the flesh is not only the bad thing, quote, unquote, bad things, but they can be the good-looking things that are bad. Right? Um, and this is, brings me to the singer. We listen to the Holy Spirit. Christianity is relational, not religious duty. <laughs> duty, I said duty. All right. It's, it's relationship. It's all about relationship. This is important that we see that it's not just about following the rules. It's about relationship, and that changes things. Because if we have a Holy Spirit that's with us, we can consult him immediately. We don't go, okay, this situation's bad. Let me go, go through the scriptures and find a specific scripture. Now, the Holy Spirit can bring us scriptures to mind, and that's good, but that's the Holy Spirit that brings that to us. <clears throat> but we don't have to do that because we have that with us all the time, and we can assess situations based on our caring and loving and empathy for people, and we can love them right where they are without even having the perfect words and the these and the thous. Now, I'm not negating scripture, and I'm not negating uh, the power of it. It's very powerful. What I'm saying is we have that with us. It's written on our hearts, too. And when we read it, it's sealed in our hearts so that we can use that. And so uh, we're going to jump. This kind of catapulted me into Matthew. Um, we're going to be at Matthew 9. We'll start Matthew 9, 9. And uh, basically Jesus is going to Matthew's house, Matthew's uh, tax collector, and he basically tells him to follow him. And Matthew's like, sure, and starts following him. Um, verse 10 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collector, collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Well, this is a big deal because back then, the religious leaders did not associate or eat with sinners or tax collectors. Tax collectors would be equivalent to gangsters or cheats. They were skimming off the top usually, and they were not looked upon very well. These would be kind of the gangsters of the day. So Jesus is literally reclining and hanging out and eating with tax collectors and sinners. And the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law did not like this at all. Verse 11 says, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now listen to that. He's speaking. Now when I always heard this, I always thought about, This is good. He's, he's there for the sinners, right? He's there for the lost. He's there for those. And he is. But he's speaking to the, he cares about the Pharisees too. Do you know that? He cares about these teachers of the law. They know the Torah, right? They know the first five books of the Bible. So what does he tell them? Let me meet you where you are. This is what Jesus does. Let me meet you where you are. Hey, go learn about this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go learn about it. That's what he tells them. All right? So let's skip down a little bit. 935, Matthew 935. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, healing every disease and sickness. Uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I love that scripture. Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's us. Um, skip down. Matthew 12, 1. Sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit, but I don't, I don't have a ton of time here. Matthew 12, 1. At, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, Stop it! <laughs> you can't do that. Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did and he and his companions were hungry? He's going back to, he's, he's showing them what they already know. 
He entered the house of God, and he and his, his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the, the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the, the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself here. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. Right in front of you is what he's saying. If you had known what these words mean, what does he say? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's calling them out. He already told them. Oh. It frustrates me because I can, not that I can relate with Jesus, but I can relate with the frustration that he's having with them. He's saying, if you'd have just listened to what I told you a few verses ago when you were attacking me over here, you wouldn't be attacking me again. Why is that? Where do those verses come from? They go all the way back to Hosea. Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of, of God rather than burnt offerings. He's not saying sacrifice. He's saying the sacrificial offerings is what he's talking about. They were so caught up. What were the Pharisees caught up with? Rituals, ritualistic things. Do this, don't do that. Rules, laws, do this. That they had forgotten the point of it all. They missed the bigger picture of loving people and having compassion for them. Listen, Jesus cared just as much about the Pharisees as he did the other people. And he was kind of a play on words there about the sick. They were sick too. Jesus doesn't just level the playing field with the lost and the sinners and, and the, 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 the pimps and the prostitutes and the drug dealers. He's, he's not just talking about them. He's leveling the playing field. He's talking about the sick Pharisees who put on the quote-unquote good face and they look good, but they're just as sick as anybody else, right? He's saying this right here. Listen, go back to Isaiah. This is Isaiah 111. Man, this is powerful if you get, just get this. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings. This is pretty rough here. Bear with me. Of rams and the fat, of fattened animals, I have no pleasure. In the blood of bulls and lambs and goats, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbath, convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. <laughs> Jeez, easy. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. These are powerful words from the Lord here. Wash and make yourselves clean, as if we could do it ourselves. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Listen to this. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let's settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You want to see compassion? He's showing them what's most important here. He's showing them even all the way back then, and, he, and Jesus was trying to tell these Pharisees that same thing. They're trying to call... <laughs> this, this kills me. They're trying to call him out on a law that he wrote. <laughs> I, I, I Seriously, I was thinking about this. I, was, I closed my eyes this morning as I read it because I kind of giggled. And I was like, okay, let me put myself there. And I imagine, this is what I imagine. I have a vivid imagination. But I imagine Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and they come and they attack him. And he goes, okay, hey, let me help you out. Go learn this. I desire mercy over sacrifice. Obviously, they ignored it. They come back to him, and they call him out on, on just grabbing a little bit of wheat because they were hungry. It was ridiculous. The, the whole thing was ridiculous. And they're like, hey, you can't do that because it says you can't do that on the Sabbath. And I can imagine Jesus going, oh, oh, yeah. 
God. Okay, do you know who I am? Do you have any idea who you're talking to? I mean, do you, do you realize how much more important it is what I'm doing and who I am right now in front of you than, than the law that I know everything about? Every 613 that even you guys have made up to try to keep the 10 that I gave you a long time ago to Moses. Do you understand how ridiculous you sound? <laughs> it's me. I'm right in front of you. Like I imagine him going, come on. I'm trying to help you here. But they continued, and I can see him being just as frustrated. Look, these, these, these festivals, these things, these offerings, you're burning incense, you're, you're bragging about all the things that you're doing good, and yet the widows are going without any help. And these orphans don't have anybody for them. And these lost people, not only do you not show them, but you shut the gates. And they can, you won't even show them the kingdom of heaven. Not only you're not going to get in, but they can't even get in because you won't let them. You won't even tell them about it. You've, you've had it from the beginning. How frustrating could that be? I'm like, man. <laughs> I was talking to AJ about it this morning. He was like, yeah, I wonder if he was thinking, you know, when Moses was pleading with and you were wanting to, like, take everybody out? Okay. <laughs> See what you're talking about. I'm frustrated too, but I still love them. <laughs> but it's just like, I love, I love them so much that I even want the Pharisees and the ones that, are, that, that think they're righteous, that put on this, this fake righteousness, I want them to see it too. And he met them right, right where they were. And they were, they were so caught up in their own laws and rituals and different things that they didn't have compassion. They didn't have love. They didn't have the most important thing. He's trying to show them the bigger picture. Does that make sense? They also got, up, got caught up in the same thought that we get caught up in, is that where our enemies are people. We and me included, can get sucked into the lie that people are our enemies. And that's deception because our enemies were defeated 2,000 years ago. The reason I say that is you will, you will never reach people, really reach people um, on a level where they can receive what you have to give them until you have compassion for them. And if you think they're your enemy, it's going to be very difficult to have compassion for them. I guarantee you, and I've, I've seen it time and time again, the people that are the meanest to you and the people that, that are very vindictive or, or manipulating or, and some of the closest people to you um, or the people you disagree with are, are the ones that really need it more than any of them. They're not fighting you. They're fighting what they're dealing with in themselves. You're just some, sometimes a result of it. This is what's so important for us to be confident in who we are when we walk out of these doors. Listen, Sunday morning is important. I don't want to degrade Sunday morning. But, but your life is much more important outside of these doors than it is in here because that's where you see people. That's where you love people, and that's where you interact with people. Listen, come, oh, please come here. I love this place. Bring more people here. It's great. This is where we throw the party. <laughs> but just like him, just like we clothe ourselves with him, Pray about these situations, and I'm telling you, just like this morning I prayed as I was reading this, Lord, give me compassion. Give me, give me eyes to see the things that you see, and I don't think about what I pray for before I pray for it because he doesn't just show me with my eyes. He breaks my heart for those things, and that's not a bad thing, and I've told you before, I have to explain to my kids over and over that when I cry, it's not always bad because um, I don't cry. I promise you, I don't cry all the time. Like, during the week, I'm not, like, just sobbing around the house. Um, <laughs> It's only, 
<laughs> you guys make me cry. No. It really, I mean, I do occasionally, but, but only usually when I'm, I'm, I'm either, you know, really deep in prayer or, or hearing from the Lord and something from the Lord, and I really, he breaks my heart for things. That's not a bad thing. It's good. And so when I cry, it's a, I don't know, I can't fully explain it, so don't, I'm not going to pretend to fully know what's going on, but I know that it's real, and I know that he shows me things that I couldn't do on my own. Listen, um, God, this, everything about our church is, is all about him. I mean, even the fact that I'm here, everything... There's so many things I could tell you about what led up to, to where we are now that don't make any sense at all. I mean, down to very detailed things that don't make any sense at all that God used and worked. And I'm telling you, he can do the same thing in your life. It's not just about me. He can take the things that you're not sure what's going on. There were times when we were confused. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where we were going. And he brought us right back. He was right there with us. And I'm chasing the rabbit again. All right. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. Um, your life when you live, if, 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 if what I say to you today, I don't know how, let me see how I can work this better. Hear from the Holy Spirit today, whether it was through worship or through something I said or through scripture or even during the week. Listen to what he says, and I'm, I don't want to tell you to take what he says and apply it to your life because that's not what we do. I'm telling you to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you, whether it's through Scripture, whether it's through just compassion for a person. Listen to what he's saying because he's real. Listen, if you've come to know the Lord and you, you've accepted him into your heart, even if you've messed up, if you've, you've dropped the ball, I don't care how many times. Um, we had a conversation this morning about how many times Peter screwed up, and Jesus never left him. He was always there with him. He's always seeking. He's always looking. He's always wanting to make things right. It's not just because he wants to. It's who he is. That's the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So when you're out in the world, in this world, that Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to do those things. You remember the little analogy thing we did with Gabe and Roberto throwing, throwing stuff at him? The Holy Spirit is continually doing these things, reminding you of who you are, reminding you of who that person is, reminding you of this, showing you love, showing you how much you're loved, showing you how much you're loved until you get it. Oh, you get it. Okay. Now show them how much they're loved. He's not stopped. It's just aligning our minds with what's going on in our spirit. Okay? You get it? Amen. But sometimes we're simple, and I'm speaking to myself. Sometimes I have to close my eyes and say, Lord, show me. <laughs> because I can't see on my own. Just like Melissa was saying, I can't do this on my own. So I have to stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me. And I promise you if you do that, and I'm telling you this is a real basic principle, if you do that, he'll show you. I'm not going to promise you the results of that. It may get messy. Love is messy sometimes. I promise. Ministry is messy. Church attendance we can doctor up sometimes. I hope you don't. But ministry can be messy. Chris will tell you in Honduras, sometimes that stuff gets messy over there. It can be tricky. It can be dangerous. Um, you got to be careful. People will, will sabotage you over here. People will, will lie about you and say bad things about you, try to bring up your past. I'm telling you, ministry can be messy. But I promise you, listen to what he's saying. He'll change your perspective on things and you'll see things you never saw. And I promise you, you'll be happier for it. And happiness and joy is just a byproduct of what he's doing in your life. Same way heaven is. Heaven's not our goal. We get to go, thank God. Heaven's a result of knowing the Lord again. It's a result of being reconciled with him. Our, our, our joy is in Jesus and it's found in him. Stand up with me. Father, thank you for your revelation today. Thank you for uh, just allowing me to be used in this place. 
Father, thank you for your people that, that are willing to, to just come in here and receive your word and your Holy Spirit. Father, just as you already are, go before us and prepare a way for each of us in our lives, Father, that as we enter these places, as we enter our workplace, and we see that friend or that, that person we think is our enemy, Father, that we can see ourselves as, as, uh, as sons and daughters and heirs and co-heirs with Christ, and we have boldness when we go out of this place. And the grace that, that, that you've given us is, a, is the wind behind our back that pushes us to do your, your work, Father. It's a joy to do it. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and I thank you for it. Thank you for the grace that shows me that I, that I don't have to do it. I just have to be a willing vessel. So, Father, I pray right now that in this place we just say that here I am. Take all my fears. Take all my insecurities. Take all my doubts. Take all my fears. I feel like I hit a note there. Take all my fears, Lord. Because you do not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. Father, take our sound mind and help us spread that love and peace this week. Give us more and more boldness and more and more revelation of who you are in us so that we can go out and share that love. It's a simple gospel. Seek, find, bring them home, and we'll throw a party. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.